Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fends them dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyf, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shandero. And Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Can't hear, mate. Rugby League. Rugby League. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Supercoach Playbook podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Here to go through the madness of the coronavirus and the implications on Supercoach and the NRL is the Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are we? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Obviously a bit devastated about the lack of NRL and everything else going on, but, you know, is what it is, so we'll, we'll push forward, hey? Yeah, the lack of sport at the moment is just absolutely savage for everyone out there. Coming into a cold time of year, thank God. For the time being, we've still got our horse racing, so we've got something to cling on to for the moment, but I'm not sure how long that'll last. Also with us is the 2019 champion, Des Creek. Des, how are you, mate? Yeah, normally I say I'm going well, but as you said, no sport on TV, no NRL Supercoach. Life's life's a bit dull right now. Mate, it's absolutely savage, and it's a bit the same. We're, we're normally pretty pretty optimistic on with all the footy going on and everything else, but guys, going forward, our plan is to continue doing some podcasts and producing plenty of content over the next sort of four to six weeks, or for as long as possible. Hopefully, it can uh, give us a bit of an opportunity to get away from everything else that's going on and provide a bit of rugby league chat, which I think everyone's pretty keen on in, in this period. We're still going to punch out things like classic matches, champions advice from Dez. I'll be doing squad analysis on every player in the competition at every club, uh, cheapy analysis, all these sort of things that can have you ready to go for the resumption. We're pretty confident, hopefully, we won't be too far away or we'll, we'll restart at some point this season. Um, so we'll go from there and, and we'll produce content for as long as we possibly can. Let's start this week on the round two recap. Spy, how'd your side go? Yeah, look, boys, a little bit of a half bounce back. It still wasn't red hot by any means, but I managed to pump out 1070-odd. Had a few guys come along that I backed, so Kurt Mann scored a try and was pretty heavily involved. So that was bloody nice. Um, Kalen Ponga scored well again. Not too many major letdowns. Mitchie Moses delivered, which was very good because I did take a little punt on him over Cleary to start the year against sort of a lot of traditional thinking on my own half, on behalf. But look, not too bad. Appy scored well. Munster was very quiet. He's had a, a pretty quiet few weeks for me, but he's the kind of guy that I know is going to explode soon enough. So just got to stick strong. And I also brought in Asako, who was, I thought, really good. He's playing some real nice footy and so are the Broncos. So, all in all, middling a little bit, but just a little bit on the up and hopefully better things to come moving forward. 
That's right, mate. A solid bounce back week. And Des, I know you. I know you spoke last week about, or just before round one, you were going to captain Painhouse every week. You basically said you're an idiot if you don't captain him every week. It's a banked seventy-five to eighty points minimum each round. Uh, and then just before the Panthers took on the Dragons, he said, stuff it, Nathan Cleary's going big here. You flip the captaincy on to him. How'd your week end up? Yeah, I, I had a better round, actually, than my first round. I scored 11.62, um, which chopped my rank in half and sent me from 32,000 to 16,000. Yeah, I, I mean, Nathan Cleary against the Dragons, can you blame me? It was It's just a point of difference. I mean, I'll probably go back to paying highs in the future, but... Cleary against the Dragons is just huge. And, uh, yeah, my, my team performed pretty well everywhere except the centre wing where I was stuck with uh, Wonga Blake, Callum Watkins, who got moved to the wing, unfortunately, and also BJ Leilua, who all sort of scored 20, 30 points. Otherwise, I was staring down the barrel of a monster week there. Yeah, that's a huge bounce back from you. 11 score. And seriously, I mean, if, you, if you're going to win Supercoach, I think you have to have the kahunas like that where Payne has the safe option to go, no, you know what, I think Nathan Cleary is going to go big here and whack it on him. I thought the same Caelan Ponga. I thought he was going to tear up that that uh, the edge of the Leilua brothers and Nofaluma, which were just horrendous. But I went sa- went safe, stuck with Haas, which went well. I ended up with a 10.67, which was looking like being a roundabout pass score until that last game of the round when Mitchie Moses, who I think about 45% of coaches own, went monstrous and hit, I think, 99 points. Um, that one hurt me a little bit, but again, that that's the risk when you don't pick pick Mitch Moses against a side like the Titans. So not to worry, but not a bad week anyway. Uh, Braden Burns killed me for the second week running. Uh, I don't own Jason Tamalolo. That hurt as well. Uh, but I did have Cleary. I did have Luciano Leilua, who went pretty big, so it wasn't all doom and gloom. Uh, let's get on to the main talking points of the round, and we will start with Nathan Cleary because he's got an 86 points per game average over the first two weeks. Spy, you like what you see, but you do have a little bit of a reservation on him. Why is that? Yeah, it's a real interesting one, lads. Um, first of all, let me start by saying if you started with Cleary, you're laughing. He's been on fire um, and you can't, you've done nothing wrong there at all, that's for sure. Personally, I probably wish I started with him. However, if you have a look at his work rate at the moment compared to how he played in previous seasons, he used to run the ball a lot and probably not really pick his moments as well as he is now. He's only had three runs per game in the opening two weeks. And when you watch him, he's playing that halfback role for mine a lot better from real footy purposes. But potentially this could see a little downtick in Supercoach numbers from a base stats point of view. What he did well in previous years was run a lot, which led to a lot of offloads and a few extra tackle busts. Now, if you have a look at it, in the week one against the Roosters, he he set up that late try, and again, it was a classy try. He put Kikau over for the win. If he doesn't do that, and I know that's speculative, he ends up with a score of about 38 or 39, and then he had the, the mighty St. George Dragons, or should I say the worst offensive bloody supercoach side ever. Last year they proved it, and they proved it again, and he went off for 100, but his base stats were something like 15, so my only question mark on him is before I bring him in, which I've intended to do before round one, uh, I was, I was going to bring him in anyway at some point, but how will he go against sides like Melbourne and Canberra, which I think he has coming up pending how the draw is going to look when we return. If he does have that base of 15 or 20, will he be prone to some low scores that someone like Mitch Moses also has? 
Look, as I said, it's a very small sample size, but the fact he's running less, just just an interesting watch because it's a different type of game he's playing to previous seasons. Thoughts? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I'm very happy with, with him at the moment, as you would be with the scores, but, I mean, when you look at these halves and the outside backs, probably more outside backs, but, you know, you look at you look at the base of them, and you, you want a solid base, and it just reassures you that even their low weeks will be 30 or 40, but Nathan Cleary still has a very tough draw to come when the competition does resume. So, you know, it's a concern for me, but, I mean, if you've locked him in like I have, you're sticking with him probably for the whole season. If I want it's probably just something to watch for the next two or three weeks before getting him in. That's it. Certainly if you own him, there's no there's no issues there. You lock him in, you keep him. And as I said, he'll probably end up in my side anyway. But I'll certainly, as a Mitch Moses owner, the reason I picked him was for those hopeful early tons with a softish opening draw um, and hope that he can kick past Cleary. But it's just a really interesting watch for those who don't have Cleary in their side just yet. Yeah, and then there was obviously... Teddy versus Turbo. A few people jumped on them to start the year. A few more jumped on Tommy Turbo because he was a little bit cheaper. Teddy bounced back from a poor week with 85 points without a try or without a try assist, which is just what Teddy does because he's the best super coach player in the game. Tommy Turbo bounced back with a solid 71. Um, Ryan Pappenhausen's been really solid. He's still at that cheap price. You can't help but feel that the pup's going to go off at some point and get himself to a six to seven hundred k mark with a couple of big scores. So provided we stay with him and we're upgrading, say maybe a Kalen Ponger in time, who's looking like a few good price rises after his too much ban, which is very inconvenient. Guys, obviously it'll depend on uh, how their prices change, but. If you have a choice right now, you're picking Tedesco or Tom Trebojevic in your team. Keeping in mind that you've got about a 70k discount on Tommy Chaboyevich. Des, what about you? Um, well, I, I've got Turbo, but I really want Teddy after what I saw from him in that game, um, straight after his price drop. So I'm tempted to trade out Turbo, which is sort of super coach blasphemy, but I think <laughs> Teddy was looking absolutely amazing. Tur- you had Turbo Turbo over in your name. It took you to a triumph in 2019, 50k in prize money. And you, you're going to sack him after scoring 71. Against yeah, the Roosters. Yeah, I mean, but he, he scored a try. And Teddy, Teddy got 85 and he didn't score a try. So, you know, you can – Teddy just looks – he's just a more viable super coach player in the long run. He's probably going to average more. Turbo's got that massive ceiling of like 180, 190, which Teddy probably doesn't have. But Turbo, yeah, I don't know. He's He just wasn't looking at his best yet, I don't think. Yeah, look, let's just hope that Pappenhausen can get his couple of quick price rises. Not that he's going to go off at the moment because I think he had 250-odds without doing too much really in, in tough games. But if he can get his price up to 650K sooner rather than later, we can have both of, the, both of them in our team. Uh, Spies, Teddy or Turbo for you? Firstly, on little Pappy Pappenhausen, he's going to murder some teams in the coming weeks. He's had... He's just everywhere in those opening two rounds, and they're both really low-scoring encounters, and he's still just punched out around the 60 mark. He's going to go mental soon, so watch this space. Um, as for Tommy versus Teddy, I'm actually the opposite to Des on this one. I think Tommy looked really good. He looked hungry, and the only reason I didn't start with Tommy was because he opened up with Melbourne and then the Roosters, but... If Kalen Ponga cops two weeks, for example, I'm probably going to go straight to Tommy Turbo because I think he's going to go mental, especially against, like, say, the Warriors next time they play. 
he's going to go off, and then I'll look to probably upgrade Pappy to um, sorry Pappenhausen to Tedesco once he makes his money. But honestly, Tommy is a really good point of difference at the moment. Roosters have got a little bit to work on with a few new combinations, and I think Manly have just they're playing some really good footy early, and I'm all about Tommy at this stage if you can get him in. Yeah, nice. And there's so many good buys for when player resumes. Obviously, everything we say here is subject to change big time. We're basing it on what's happened last week. We're basing it on coming back for a round three in a full season. We, we can reassess that in, as the future comes. But we can't have all these good buys. We can only have two. Alex Twole at 492K punched out 78 and 72 points in the first two rounds. He played 53 and 66 minutes. And he had 74 points in base on the weekend, which is just phenomenal. Guys, do we see these probably minutes keeping up and do we see the work rate keeping up? Des, I know you're a big fan. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's a huge pot over someone like Liam Knight in the front row there. Um, and I think I read something he's never scored a try in his career yet. So, I mean, I, I think that'll definitely come this year. That's that's my prediction. So, uh, yeah. I think he's a huge pod, um, and he, the tries will come, the attacking stats will come, and he, he should turn up in a couple of games. Did he, did he, I think he had – did he have a line break or two line breaks in round one? Was that – Yeah, he had, he had one line break in round one. Yeah, yeah, he looked really sharp in his feet, like looked um, really fit, quite light, like he was um, – did plenty of damage. So 12 is definitely one to keep an eye on. Spy, what's your thoughts? Let's say, first of all, round one was against St. George, and I really just don't think you can overlook, sorry, look too much into anyone playing against the Dragons. Twelve made him look silly, but he's never done that to any team in the history of in the history of his career. So is that going to change? Maybe it does moving forward. But if you have a look at last year, he averaged 54 minutes for 53 points. This year in the opening two weeks, he's averaging 60 minutes, but it's a very small sample, and blokes have been sort of concussed. I know, I think it was one of the young front rails for the Tigers went off early on the weekend with a head knock. So I think it's actually a little bit of a risk. But in saying that, say you'd bring him in, Des, he's not going to hurt you. And he probably might average in that high 50s mark at least. So it's all good. But I just don't think he's necessarily going to take this massive jump by adding in attacking stats, which he's never had in the past. I don't see why that would happen. Um, he's a real he's a real just meat and potatoes guy, Aiden Tolman type sort of fella, you know what you're going to get, but I just don't expect too many line breaks and tries, um, and I just don't know where he goes in terms of a massive jump in price and points. He might do a job for you, but personally, I think there may be better options. Yeah, I like him, but it, you both make good points. The only issue for me is that they've got so many good middle forwards this year, the Tigers, and they've really surprised me. Zane Musgroves, your Thomas McKayley, who was good last season, all these guys that will vie for minutes as the season goes on. We've said since before round one that we thought Musgrove was pretty highly rated at the club, or we don't think. We know he is, and we think he'll increase on his minutes. So we'll just see how that goes, but it's an interesting one. Uh, one guy who's very popular next round, whenever that might be, is Isaiah Yo at 404K, who's averaging 78 points per game in the first two rounds. I'm a bit on the fence with Yo, but it's hard to argue with what he's been punching out so far. Des, like or dislike Yo? Yeah, I very much like him. He's in my top four centre wing right now. Um, obviously, I'm a big fan of base stats at centre wing. Um, 
he, he reminds me a bit of Manu Mo, Britain Nakora, that, that sort of type of player. If he keeps his minutes up in the forwards, he's going to get heaps of base stats, which is really ideal for center wing for mine. Um, I, I think he's definitely a buyer. Yeah, the thing that concerns, concerns with Yo is that, you know, he, he's a pretty well a veteran of the NRL now. He's been around for a long time. He's played big minutes in the past, and he's never been super coach relevant. Obviously, the factor is that he's available at center wing, and when he's playing 80 minutes a game, I think he's played 80 and 76 in the first two rounds. In such an uncertain position thus far this season, he's so safe. So I'm I'm sort of, sort of nor here nor there. Spy, what do you reckon on Isaiah Yo? Yeah, I had a look at him. I think it's a little bit of the opposite to someone like Twole. I think the risk of not getting in someone like um, Isaiah Yo is he's due to make a heap of money to start. So if he spends the next two weeks and scores another 60 and 60, for example, mostly in base stats, then he's going to make a heap of cash. You're going to want him in your side in the centres and he'll cost an extra 100 grand. So do you just get him in now for an underperforming centre and see what you deal with? If he doesn't look like setting the world on fire, he'll still make you some money and you can probably upgrade him then in a few weeks. But if you have a look a couple of years ago, even 2017 and 2018, he still averaged 54 and 57 per game. So even based on that, available in the centres, pretty rock-solid base stats. I think you've got to be pretty happy. So for mine, he's someone to lock in. And then if you need to upgrade to someone else, if he looks like losing some minutes down the line, that's fine. But I think it's a risk not to take him. Yeah, well, I think the other thing on Yo, uh, and I'm, I'm a little bit probably unfairly critical of him, but... I just I do see alarm bells ringing with him. Kurt Kurt Capel, who signed on from the Sharks, who was in in the Origin sort of nineteen man squad last year for the Maroons, he's missed the first two rounds with injury. When obviously he returned from this uh, this postponement of the season, he's going to come on. He may even be a starter in that Panthers side. I mean, I don't think he's signed on from Cronulla to play off the bench, even though he is that sort of utility forward player. I'm, I'm a bit concerned, but anyway, James Fisher-Harris, 615K, just playing with any owners who do have him or don't have him. He was benched in round one, coming back from injury, ended up starting and playing 80 minutes, scored 75 points with 63 in base, classic JFH, each beast keeper over the above. Round two, dropped back to 59 minutes for 41 points. What's happening there, Des? I have no idea, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't understand the coach's reasoning for that. I mean, everyone knows he's a gun. Everyone knows he can play 80 minutes. Um, if he's on 80 every week, then he's lock-in, I think, this season. But, yeah, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? I, I'm not sure what the coach is thinking it is for that one. Yeah, that's it, and I don't think anyone does. So I wouldn't <laughs> be looking to get him in after last week's performance just based on minutes alone. Um, Jason Lolo went nuts, 99 points in 72 minutes, playing big minutes this year. I think Paul Green realised that if he's not winning games of footy this season, then it could be his last season coaching the Cowboys. Um, I think we all left him out, fellas. Um, how are we feeling about this? Because I'm okay with it at the moment because he's averaging early 80s, which is more than I'd hoped. But if he can bounce back with a, a 70-odd next week, you know, he's around about what his price should be. I haven't missed out too much. And the squad is strong. My squad is strong elsewhere because of the money I've saved there. Des, what are your thoughts on Tam Lolo at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it was it was he was a very hard pass. He was sort of the last player that I wanted to leave out. But, you know, there was just too many good mid-rangers to pass up on. 
Um, some of them didn't pay off like Jack Williams. I mean, obviously, looking back, you'd rather have had Tamalolo and sacrificed someone like Williams and made changes elsewhere. But, you know, it's it's hindsight bias. Um, I think Tamalolo's reasonable to leave out still. Um, but, yeah, obviously, it didn't help that he went over for a meet by. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, I think... By cutting Tam Lowe, who I had in my squad all preseason, it allowed me to get Luciano Leilua into my side, who's averaging 70 or 80-odd anyway. So I don't feel too bad about it at the moment. But if Tam Lowe comes out and goes 100-plus in the next game, I'll be rethinking it very quickly. Um, Spire, what do you reckon there? Yeah, I was in the same boat as you boys. I've got a really balanced and nice side because of leaving the big fella out. But geez, look good in the first two weeks. And that point you make, Tim, about uh, the coach sort of wanting to hold his job and give everything at it means that he probably will play those minutes. Um, I can actually, having a look at things, Jackie Williams has underperformed the first two weeks from a super coach perspective. One game was, though, against Melbourne, and they do funny things to teams, as we know. Um, so I'm still sort of semi-confident he'll come through and score pretty well for the year. But in saying that, I may actually just cut my losses now on Jack. I can actually move Jack up to Taumalolo with another trade in mind as well. Um, and that could probably be the option moving forward. But if I do that, I won't be able to get Tommy Trojevic yet. Um, but anyone who's got Taumalolo, you've got to be happy. He plays around 12 as well, which we'll get to soon regarding the buys. But Tamalolo is a beast. If you can get him in, great. But there is merit in not playing him because, as we said, he's not going to score every week. I hope not anyway. He's he's a gun. Uh, and if he doesn't score and even averages in that mid-70s, then he holds his price and you haven't really missed out on anything too much. Um, so, yeah, probably watch this space. But he may well be in my side by next week. <laughs> Yep, and yes. speaking of guys that have stuffed me over so far this season, Jermaine Asarco. I had Katoni Staggs locked into my side oh. all pre-season when we, oh, what was from when we heard that Asarco wasn't going to be playing round one. Um, obviously, when Bird went down, Asarco got named to start at fullback and would take up the goal-kicking duties. I, like a lot of people, dropped Staggs, who's, I think, the top-scoring player in the Supercoach this season, turned up on the weekend with a hat-trick of tries. Asako himself is averaging 73 across two games. And behind that Brisbane Broncos pack, which is just firing, he just looks safe as houses. Um, I don't think any of us own him, but he's got to be – does he have to be in your two trades next week or next week, next round, Spy, whenever that might be? That's a really tough call, mate. I, I really don't know the answer to that at the moment. There's a lot of good centre options popping their head up. I guess the thing with Staggs is his upside is so good, as we saw on the weekend. Brisbane are playing some really good footy. He's getting nice early ball. They understand how good he is this year, and he's been a vocal point of their attack. It'd be very, very difficult to leave him out. Des, what do you reckon? Yeah, I like Staggs as well. I think he's, uh, I'd just go for the plays with the monster, the monster ceilings there. Um, uh, there's also a rumour going around that Staggs is going to take the kicking off Azarko as well. I don't know if you guys heard about that. Mm. But uh, if, if if that happens, then definitely Staggs over Azarko for me. But Azarko really did look good. We know that he's trained all preseason at fullback as well, which uh, which is huge. And he, he was looking sharp. He really was. But I think Staggs for mine. Yeah, so if Staggs does take up the goal kicking, which fortunately we're going to have about two or three months to work out if he is or isn't, uh, he, I mean, he'll be a sure, he'll be a certain thing to have in your side, but again, that'll impact Asako enormously. So whether or not Asako's in your two trades for next round, we've got time to work it out. Basically, uh, a really interesting one, and there's a couple of cheapy options, dirt cheap cheapy options. 
such as Tyrell Fuimaono at 201k, who look like they could be superb buyers, but also could be enormous traps. Fuimaono averaging 71 minutes so far, 51 points. In round two, he scored 75 points in 76 minutes with 55 in base. He's available at centre wing. He looks like he should be a lock-in, but there's a lot of variables going on there. In round the week just been, he filled in for Tarek Sims, who was obviously out. I think it was just a one-week suspension. So he dropped back to the bench there. Uh, in week one, it was, I think, Michaeli Ravalawa who got injured and Fumona had to go in and play centre, hence the extended minutes again. Lots of people will be trading him in, but, you know, we've also got Jack DeBellin, who may or may not be back come that time. We don't know. Um, oh, Fumona, do we like him or what are our thoughts, Spy? Look, not really. The only reason I'd like him is because he's so cheap and could make you cash, but in previous seasons, he's never scored well. Um, he's only ever averaged sort of 40 minutes a game. He did play 60 a game in 2017, um, and even when he played 60 minutes, he averaged 38. So, look, with all the variables at the Dragons that you mentioned, um, seems to come back as well. I'm just not really convinced. I mean, you could take a short-term little punt on him maybe to make some cash if you know he's going to be playing in the back row that's important but look he's he's certainly not a must for me but i can understand if you if you had someone to downgrade to make some money that's why you'd put him in uh, but not for not probably for my team guys Jez, what do you reckon yeah i mean he looks like an absolute monster doesn't he would uh, be mad if you're mcgregor and you're not playing him but yeah i think i agree with spy he's a wait and see yeah. i will say Oh, sorry, boys. I was just going to say he did let let one in one of the softest tries of the buddy uh, round last week when he let Nathan Cleary past him. Go and have a look at it. The defensive effort was absolutely horrific. So stuff like that, I know Mary doesn't like. So he may not even start next week based on that. So you know, no for me. He's a guy who could be named like 18th man for round three. Get named to start on game day and lock in a starting spot and make like 300k. But because of the uncertainty around him, no one will own him, except those people that started with him. It's like I can just see him being that the one that got away. But at the same yeah. time, with only two trades to make, he's probably a bit of a risk at this stage. Um, the the Leilua brothers at the Tigers, the polarising Leiluas. BJ's 465k, Luciano's 434. Very contrasting starts to the season. Uh, Daz, I'll go straight to you on BJ because you are an owner. Averaging 30 points so far, 21 in base. Will you be selling or keeping a bit of faith? No, no, he's definitely a sell. He's just not getting enough ball. He's, he's looking absolutely horrendous defensively as well. He's uh, missing tackles all over the place. He just looks out of position. That whole right edge of the Dragons in defence looks absolutely shot. Um, he, he obviously still looks good when he's running the ball. He's still offloading, tackle-busting but he's just getting nowhere near enough of it. And I think he was made to look better than he was at the Raiders, honestly. Yeah, mate, I, I couldn't agree more. And that, that that defensive display on the weekend was horrendous. And as long as that lot are playing together on an edge, you'll just, any opposing attacking sides and supercoach players, you'll just be loading up on because they were just picking them to pieces. But my gut feel says there's going to be changes in that on that edge. Uh, Luciano, on the other hand, Averaging 72 across the opening two games, averaging 80 minutes per game. On those numbers and what we've seen, he's a must-have. But the issue for me is how long is he 
playing 80 minutes if they keep up the way they've performed. Obviously, good in attack is a weapon, much like his brother, but defensively, Spy, can you see him being demoted to the bench at all or even significantly minutes? Look, it's one of those things. I own Luciano and obviously happy about that early, but there's no need to panic on this. If something like that does unfold in the coming rounds, then we can look at moving him on. But whilst he's playing 80, hopefully his work rate increases, he gets fitter, he gets better. He could be anything. Um, so for me, nothing to worry about at the moment. However, if you don't own him, I wouldn't be rushing into him, that's for sure. He did score a really nice try last week with an in and away on their halfback, and that added, obviously, 30 points to his score. So basically, if you own him, don't panic. Happy days at the moment. But if you don't own him, don't rush in just yet. See what happens. Josh Mansell, 416 grand. I was so close to putting him in my side for round one based on how fit he fit and healthy reportedly was coming into the season. Uh, I went against it just based on the last couple of seasons and da-da-da. 72 average across the first two rounds. He's Mm. averaging 39 in base stats for a centre wing, which is just unheard of. Um, I'm really tempted by him when the season resumes for round three. Uh, Des, what do you reckon with Joshy Mantor? Yeah, I was lucky enough to start with him. I got on board after what I saw from him in the trial games. I knew that his base was going to be up there. He's he's definitely looking like the mantor of old. Um, he's obviously looking to sort of offload in his own half, which is something you definitely want to see. Even though it can lead to a few errors and stuff, it's still good for Supercoach. Um, he's tackle busting, like scoring 70, 80 points without tries, absurd for a winger. So I think he's a lock-in, and I've said that all preseason. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. And like, good shout on getting in before round one. There was a, there was risk involved, but it's paid off so far. Uh, Spy, I'll throw this one at you. If you have to choose between Jermaine Asako and Josh Mansour for round three, who are you going? Great question. Well, luckily, I already own Asako, so I don't have that decision to make. But if you do have to make the call, man, honestly, I think it's a flip of a coin. You could go either way. The thing about Asako is you probably know what you're going to get. Um, assuming he keeps that goal kicking, which I think he will. He's a very good goal kicker. Playing fullback um, in the Broncos side, you've got to be pretty happy. Mansour, whilst he looks really good at the moment, and I'll probably be looking to get him in, does have a littered injury history. Does the work rate and all this keep up after two weeks? He offloaded in his own half on the uh, last weekend, and it led to a try. Perhaps that means old man Cleary will tell him to rain in the end a bit. Who knows? Um I'd probably, if you put me on the spot, I genuinely don't know. If you're out there and you need to take a punt on one of them, just pick your favourite player because they're both they both could light up. And if Man still stays stays healthy, he's going to be something. That's for sure. But yeah, injury yeah. is the risk there. Very insightful stuff there, Spy. For no answer, but that's all right. <laughs> Um, and then just one more to keep an eye on for later on. Uh, Jake Fraley did his ACL, which is a huge shame for him. Huge shame for the Knights who need that sturdy hooker, just that workman-like hooker. He was doing a really good job there. Uh, but Connor Watson is a big chance to come in and play big minutes at hooker at 506k, uh, which is an awkward price initially, but he's one to keep an eye because he could be a super coach, superstar given the minutes. Right, lads, we'll, we'll get on to probably the big question that people want to know, and it's the super coach impacts of the coronavirus and the postponement of the NRL season. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to be delayed for. We don't have any magical answers. We think we do with in super coach terms, but as far as how long the game's gone for and what will happen when it resumes, we don't know. You know as much as we do. But we can talk about a few things. The big thing will be the guys returning from injury and the impact they'll have on players in the sides. So we'll start with John Bateman at the Raiders, who's a massive one who 
he'll be fit and firing and ready to go on resumption. And this will have massive ramifications on guys like Corey Horsburgh, Emre Gula, and Joe Tappanay. Um, Spy, what are your thoughts on, on the makeup of the Raiders on John Bateman's return? Yeah, well, we know Johnny Bateman. He'll be straight back in, and he'll look. He'll play big minutes, even if, even if the first week he doesn't. He'll be back to big minutes very quickly. That probably hurts Tarpany, depending on what they want to do with Horsburgh. Um, Gula's role probably stays a little bit similar, but look, I wouldn't be getting Gula in. That's for sure. Um, there's less minutes to go around, so if you don't own him yet, probably don't get him. That's for sure. But Look, he's gonna he's gonna take minutes away from the boys. That's that's something. So it's back to that situation. If you own any of the Canberra boys, just hold them for now to see what happens. But I wouldn't be racing to bring any of them in. Horsburgh, for example, has looked phenomenal, but I just want to see what his minutes are when uh, the big fella Bateman returns um, at this stage. So go from there. Des, what are your thoughts on Horsburgh, Gula, Tapanay? Yeah, I think Spies hit the nail on the head with that one. If you have them, hold them and wait and see. I mean, John Bateman, he, he could be a buy, honestly, as well. A cheeky little pod for people looking to uh, bounce back after a not-so-good opening two weeks. I'd be looking to get him Bateman. I reckon he could produce. But, yeah, there are definite holds. I reckon Horsburgh could still average 60-odd with Bateman there. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Bateman could be a huge pod. And I'm with you. I think Gule is the big one to lose out. Uh, there's massive minutes to be lost there for him. He's averaging around about 50 at the moment. There's no way that'll keep up. Ryan Sutton's another one who's going to come back into that mix. Um, I think Horsburgh's minutes will stay solid around about 55, 60, regardless of Bateman's return. And Joey Tapney's the big one to lose out, or another big one to lose out. He's been playing close to eight minutes. Uh, that'll drop to, you know, anywhere between 50 to 60, you'd think, on Bateman's return. Um, at the Broncos, another another big one. Tommy Flegg was such a popular purchase after his enormous two weeks. He's just 294k. Joe Offer and Gahi will be back. Alex Glenn will be back. Um, I mean, it, it's going to affect the entire Broncos pack. Des, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's a bit upsetting. I bought Flegler in this week as well, and uh, I definitely liked what I saw. I think the Broncos forwards are absolutely exceptional. They could win the comp if they play like that every week and sort of cemented the idea that we uh, threw about last week that you can run with the four, four Broncos forwards in Supercoach. But this is a bit of a spanner in the works, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm, I still think they'll score well, though, even with those two guys back on slightly less minutes. I think they'll still they'll still be super coach relevant. And that's the thing that we've said all along. Even if guys do turn, Flegler and Carrigan are playing so far above their price. They've got low break-evens this week, naturally, after their big start to the season. You know, if they're priced at four four fifty k, you'd be seriously concerned with the minutes, inevitable minutes drop. But even even if they do start playing forty five fifty minutes, they're still going to make good coin for you. So whether or not Tommy Flegler's a purchase now, maybe he's not. Uh, if if they were playing this week, he'd be a near must have. But I think you've got to reassess now. Spy, what are your thoughts on the Broncos pack? Yeah, it's as we said, we don't know what's going to happen with the rotation and the minutes, but all I will say is that Flegler and Carrigan and these guys are playing so bloody well that it doesn't make sense to me that they would lose enormous minutes because they're playing good footy. The team's playing well as a result. So, look, maybe it's the guys that aren't currently playing that miss out on the minutes. That's what I'd be hoping. 
A couple of quick ones to get through because they're not massive, sort of uh, won't have an enormous impact. But the returns of guys like Matt Moylan and Josh Dugan, who you'd think would be fit and ready to go, maybe not Matt Moylan because he's always injured, but you'd think Will Kennedy will drop out of that Sharks outfit for anyone who owns him. You're probably not going to sell Will Kennedy as you'll probably get another crack at some point and make a bit of coin, but certainly don't buy. Bradman Best will be fit and firing and ready to go for his return. Uh, he was due back around about round three or four anyway. It'd be really interesting to see which way they go there with Inari Chuala and Gurmat Shibasaki, uh, who gets the roles there. Tauta Moga will also be available, so I'm looking forward to seeing the team list there at the night. Uh, a big one for Supercoaches is Jazz Tavanga's return uh, and how that'll impact Katoa and Tanua Brown, uh, probably one for our man Walson Carlos, being the Warriors expert, but... Des, what are your thoughts now on Katoa and Tanoa Brown with a fully fit Warriors pack? Yeah, it's definitely a tough one to to answer that one. I mean, Tavanga, you know that he's going to get big minutes. So Katoa or Tanoa Brown's minutes is going to be cut. Uh, I think both of them will probably see a reduce in minutes. They both look extremely good players as well, which is such a shame. I think, yeah, Katoa... (laughs) He was, he was on track for a 60, 70-odd in base stats, I think, last week before he got the HIA. So, it's, yeah, uh, I'm really not sure what the go is going to be. If I was the coach there, though, I'd be trying to keep his minutes as high as I could. Yeah, that's it. it it's a really hard one to assess. I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen uh, in that the minutes rotation there. But you'd think Katoa's pretty well earned that spot on what we've seen so far, at least for the time being. He earned a starting spot after one week in the NRL. So Tanua Brown being a middle forward where Tavaga's going to take up minutes, he'd be the one you'd be more worried about. Um, Jacob Little is one who comes to mind, who was going to be available sort of mid-season at the Tigers coming back from injury. I think it was around about mid-season. Harry Grant's locked in to move to the Tigers. You've got Billy Walters, who's done a pretty good job there so far, although I think his service from dummy half has been pretty ordinary. Um, Spy, this is going to impact Harry Grant big time. It's going to impact Walters big time. Again, it's a hard one to assess, but what do you think about that with Jacob Little likely being available come the resumption of play? Yeah, look, difficult one to assess, as you said, but I think Harry Grant's gone there now. They've got him for a reason. Um, I can still see him playing the bulk of the minutes in that hooking rotation, and then maybe Jacob Little comes off the bench to spell him a little bit, but I still think Harry Grant's probably going to be the man there, and um, look, it probably makes Little completely irrelevant, but don't bring in Harry Grant until we know what's going on. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, just spitballing here, I don't really know, but... I can see if the spell is long enough that Little gets time to find his feet, I can see Grant playing a 50 to 60 minute role and Little coming off the bench for a 20, 30, 20 to 30 minute sort of X factor stint off the bench, which would be a little bit harsh on Billy Walters. But I mean, the Tigers also haven't set the world light in the opening two weeks. Um, Des, you had a few interesting thoughts on the impact of no crowds at games, which we assume will continue for the rest of the season on resumption. What do you reckon there, mate? Yeah, I think it's it definitely suited the playmakers like uh, Moses and Cleary, people who had control over the team. Um, I think communication was at, at an all-time high between the players, which definitely suits those sort of guys who are directing the team around. I think potentially caused more points to be scored. Um, 
but yeah, I'm not sure. Will there be no crowds when it resumes, or will the crowds be back? It's impossible to know at this stage, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely no idea. But it is an interesting point, isn't it? Um, and then the again, it, it's it's hard to make assumptions on what we don't know, but. It looks like probably more than likely we might get a, an abbreviated season, in which case the on they'd be the first two rounds to be cut the buy rounds or they they'd be merged into one round at least. We know how important buy planning is to super coach. You know we know lots of people start their teams with eight, nine, ten people in their side targeting those buy rounds. That'd just be massive for the whole super coach context, wouldn't it? Spy, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm really lucky this year. I didn't sort of over overload my side on round one by players, which I've done a little bit in the past. Um, so that that would suit me beautifully. But at the end of the day, it's like anything at the moment. You just have to wait and see what's going to unfold, and then reassess your planning and and what you want to do once we know about that. The super coach rulemakers may make some changes potentially around trades and all that stuff as well. We just don't know. So at the end of the day, just don't panic for now. Trust the side you've got, and if you need to make some changes based on what's going to happen moving forward, then you can do that when the time is right. Yeah, exactly right, mate. Um, we'll take a few questions now, then wrap it up. A couple from Facebook, one from Matty Rooney, which is very relevant to me as well. Is Liam Knight the middle forward we thought he was going to be? Murray seems to be a move at the moment from my Supercoach team. What, what, what are our thoughts on Liam Knight? Des, are you an owner? Yeah, I am. I I didn't like. I haven't liked what I've seen from him so far. I mean, I I think someone like Alex Toll could be better, honestly, in the long run. He's not that much more expensive, and he's definitely going to get more base stats, I think. But I still want to have another look at Knight before I move him on. I mean, he's he, Cook was still feeding him the ball close to the line, so he does have potential to go for a few tries. But yeah, I'm not sure. It's it's definitely a tough one to to uh, gauge. Yep, Spy, thoughts on Liam Knight? Yeah, yeah, and a little bit underwhelming early. I mean, not bad by any means, but probably a touch underwhelming. I'd be hoping in coming matches that maybe he can get that offload back out, maybe he can play five or six extra minutes. Um, I'll certainly be holding him and just seeing what happens there um, and hope hopefully good, a good result coming forward. Yeah, look, Knight's on the chopping block for me, to be honest. He, and the big thing is just minutes. We, he's still looking okay, actual rugby league-wise, but... We brought him in the preseason thinking he was going to be playing 55, 60 plus minutes. We were thinking 60 plus minutes. He's getting nowhere near that at the moment. I think he played maybe mid 40s best, might have been 43 minutes on the weekend. Um, so I just, when there's so many good options on the table, and I mean, I'm personally pretty happy with my squad at the moment, give or take a couple of center wings, and you've got to move someone on, and it could be Liam Knight for me. As for Cam Murray, he hasn't jagged an attacking stat at all yet, and he punched out 53 on the weekend. He's still playing big minutes, averaging around about 70, which is an increase on last season pretty significantly. So I'm happy with Cam Murray for the time being. Uh, quick one from Judd Cobb on thoughts on the Sharks, Sione Katoa at centre wing. He's a really popular buy, but if Supercoach super pedigree counts for anything to you, you won't be getting him in because... Uh, he, he hasn't done a thing in the past. His job security is shaky at best with all these Moylands and Dugans returning. So I, I'd be looking to get rid of I wouldn't be buying Sione Katoa personally. Um, what else have we got? From Donnie Robert, is it a bad idea to bring both Asako and Staggs in for Burns and Wonga Blake? Want both but seems a risk being from the same team. Des, what do you reckon? 
No, definitely not. I, I think both are absolutely reasonable buys for those two players that he's trading out. Um, it's not it's not blasphemy to have two center wings from the same team. It's definitely feasible if they're both good enough. I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah, I, I don't understand people that freak out about getting two halves from the same team or, you know, three three forwards from the same pack or whatever. If they're on your radar, it's because they're playing together and they're all scoring well at, simultaneously. So I think people look into that too much uh, and I wouldn't be too worried. A uh, really good question here from Jamie Finch. The best centre to grab at the moment, we haven't even spoken about a couple of them so far, Best centre on price out of Stags, Asako, Masters, Nofaluma, and Yo. Spy? Yeah, it's a good question because price is so important at this stage of the year. Obviously, Nofaluma is very good, but very expensive. Look, it's probably out of Yo and Stags. For me, I'm thinking Stags might have all the upside in the world and just pay that a little bit extra. Things could really pan out your way if you're lucky if you do that. So I'm going to go with Stags, lads. Des, who have you got? Yeah, definitely between Stags and Yo, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go the opposite of Spy there and say Yo for me. I think with his base stats, he's absolutely crucial in that center wing position this year. Can I actually just add in? If I'm gonna be honest, I'm probably gonna bring Yo in before his price jumps heaps, and then I'll bring in Stags. So yeah, look, you go either way. That's fair. Yeah, you can go. The only one I wouldn't go there is Nofaluma, which is harsh because he's so good. But just at that price, I still don't want to be paying that price for a center wing at this stage there. I'm probably start Stags or Asako just because they're massive upside playing in that Broncos side. Asako's, Asako's a little bit safer kicking goals, but yeah, Stags or Asako for me. Um, spoken about Alex Tawol. Hey, gents, a lot of us out there, this one's from Mr. Smith on Twitter. Hey, gents, a lot of us out there will be agonising about the second trade. Thoughts on Jack Williams to Yo versus... Oh, Jack Williams, should they go to Yo, Flegler... Gula or Magulius, who we haven't spoken about. Spy, I'll start with you because I know you've got a few thoughts on Billy Magulius. Yeah, so Billy Magulius got some very good minutes on the weekend and played really well against Melbourne. There's a risk there that maybe he takes minutes away from Jack Williams, so that's a huge watch. I own Jackie Williams at the moment, and I'm just trying to figure out what to do there. There's every chance I'll move him on as well, mate. In answer to that question, I probably wouldn't go Flegler just yet until we know what's happening at the Broncos. Um, Dylan Magulius could be huge, but you can afford to give him another week. So you can see what happens there and then jump on before that price rise. So it has to be Yo in answer to your question. Even though Yo's, we're assuming Yo's probably at second row. Oh, if it's at second row, I wouldn't be doing that. Only if you can get him in your centres uh, via swap. Uh, Des? Yeah, I did uh, Jack Williams to Flegler last week. So, I mean, I guess that's, that would be my answer. Even with the um, sort of cloud over Flegler's minutes, I think he's going to make enough money for it to be a viable trade. Yeah, look, well, I'm on, I'd be on Flegler as well. We spoke about his minutes and they might be cut a little bit with a few blokes coming back. But, yeah, definitely for me. All right, guys, last question for the day. Flegler and Stags or Tawol and Asako? Is from Bees Brock on Instagram. Spy, who are you taking? Oh, out of those options, I'd go Flegler and Stags. But look, who knows? That's that's an interesting duo of people. Des, I'll go Twilight and Zarka. <laughs> I'll go Flegler and Stags. <laughs> no idea. Though. That's all for this week, guys. 
We will be back next week with the podcast. We're still going to be producing content. Hopefully the season gets going sooner rather than later. Thanks, Spy. Thanks, mate. Cheers, Des. Stay safe, boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.